Well, my friends, it is January 8th, 2018, and it has been too long since we've had a Better Stories podcast. So welcome back. Um, I wanted to let you know, first of all, that I am still alive. The podcast is still alive, we hope, and I hope you guys are still listening. Um, do apologize, we kind of took the holidays off, um, but excited about the new year and, and moving forward and interviewing plenty of new people. Um, got some great interviews lined up, some things that I'm going to be sharing with you, and uh, a couple podcasts to release this month. So today, uh, I have a, an interview that I did a couple months ago with a great friend of mine, a great leader, a great coach, um, great consultant, a great pastor. Um, his name is Sean Marshall, and I met Sean uh, several years ago. And we just connected immediately. I think uh, he thinks strategically. He thinks at a 30,000-foot level. Um, He talks and thinks about culture in in a way that I really resonate with. And and I think more than anything, he loves people and he loves life. And so I'm excited to share with you today uh, Sean's Better Stories. And I hope that it's challenging. I hope it's encouraging. And I hope you enjoy it. So here's Sean Marshall on Better Stories. So we will jump in. Welcome. I am uh, with a great friend, great pastor, great brother of mine named Sean Marshall, and uh, I'm going to let him introduce himself according to his family and vocation and uh, whatever else he wants to say, but but I'm so excited, Sean, that you would join us today, and uh, thank you for being a part of Better Stories. So why don't you do that? Why don't you just jump in, kind of tell us about who you are, what you're doing right now. Uh, I know you want to talk about your family a little bit. And, uh, yeah, just go from there. Thank you, brother. Um, it's good to be here and to share a little bit. And I'm grateful for your friendship and your um, partnership in ministry. Uh, I am currently serving a, a church just southwest of Chicago, a great church called Community Covenant Church. Um, and that's a church that's 67 years old this year. Um, and I've been serving there as the senior pastor for four years. And in addition to that, I have been um, serving as a coach and a trainer um, in the Evangelical Covenant Church, our denomination, I'm working with uh, church plants and also churches that are in uh, revitalization, we call the Vitality Pathway. And um, so that's, that's kind of work life. Um, I've been married to Veronica for nine years. It'll be 10 years in July of 2018. Uh, I'm proudly um, saying that I married up. Um, <laughs> we all I'm did. no shame about that. <laughs> I married up, thank you, Jesus. And uh, the best thing that has happened to the two of us this year was uh, we had our first child, um, mm. Sage Olivia, um, who is six and a half months going on 16. <laughs> you know, she's, she's trying to skip crawling and go right to walking. Which makes you how old going on 80. Right, right. So <laughs> 38 years old, feeling like 83. Yep, yep. I'm with you. So it's, it's, it's going by fast. But um, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm loving my family life and raising our daughter and, uh, and uh, just seeing what God does next. That's awesome. Awesome. Thank you. So... Um, I know you are a pastor right now, but mm-hmm. I guess it's okay to say you're also yep. in the middle of some transition. Yep. So talk about talk about kind of what's next. You've yeah. been four years in this church. What's what's next? Absolutely. So um, earlier this year, um, I was approached by our denomination to um, consider being uh, our national director of congregational vitality. So prior to that, you know, I would go to our national events and 
um, present some workshops um, that are relevant for churches in terms of things they need to be thinking about to be healthy and missional. Um, but I was approached about this role of actually leading the vitality movement in our denomination. And my first response was, no, are you crazy? I'm happy where I am. I happen to love my church. My church loves us. And I didn't feel like that was exactly what God wanted us to do. But after some prayer and some really um, intense time of soul searching, I realized that God had actually been preparing me for a role like this for some time. And um, the ways in which I've um, actually grown as pastor at Community Covenant Church, this church that's um, been around almost twice as long as I've been alive, um, and has a rich, deep history and lots of different congregational dynamics and has been a, a church that had to actually revitalize several times. It's a church that was once a predominantly white church, um, neighborhood changed and became a predominantly black church, um, experienced the sudden loss and death of a pastor, went several years without a pastor, and then called me to be the pastor um, after... Another long-time pastor came back to be the interim, so there's lots of fun stuff going on <laughs> in my church. Um, but all that was uh, significant for me in terms of actually developing me um, for this role, and God had to really show me that. So I began that role in January. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. So what is it about, I mean, people, you know, in our world, in church world, people... Um, kind of love the idea of the new and shiny. They go mm-hmm. to conferences, they get big ideas, they get new stuff. You're talking about a role that's working with churches that maybe are struggling, uh, maybe mm-hmm. that have seen better days in their past and, and have kind of drifted away from that. What is it that you get passionate about with that? What is it that kind of gives yeah. you life? I mean, I think the idea that God makes all things new, mm-hmm. you know, that God has the ability to um, do new things. He says in Isaiah, see, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Um, but then he also says that I am the God who makes all things new. That's text in Revelation. You know, see, I am making all things new. And I think God moves powerfully um, through his people um, to not only create new places and new expressions of the gospel, but also to revitalize churches that have always had a rich and, and deep history of sharing the faith. Um, with people and leading people to Christ and and just teaching them new ways to do that. Um, And, you know, in our congregation, we've had a lot of talk about this idea of um, you can't pour new wine into old wineskins, you know, and um, that God is actually able to, um, when he's ready to do something new, he gives new wineskins and sometimes that could be a new church sometimes that could be saying to an existing church hey I want you to try something different Mm -hmm. I want you to look at maybe a new program or a new way of thinking about ministry a new way of thinking about the gospel and I just see God moving powerfully in in both in church planting and revitalization so I'm excited to walk alongside churches who are saying we believe God wants to do something new here Mm -hmm. help us understand how Mm -hmm. That's powerful. So um, I've sat in several sessions where I've had the privilege of hearing you talk about leadership and organizations. And it's I think we share, there's always this sense of when I get to hang out with Sean, I'm going to hear about a new idea and he's going to hear about my new idea. Yep. And, and we, we love that. So yep. Absolutely. Um, 
one of the things that I hear you talk about a lot is culture mm-hmm. and organizational culture, church culture, uh, culture of teams and groups. Why does why does culture matter so much? Why is that such a strong heartbeat and passion for you? Yeah, I actually um, discovered this whole idea of culture serving a church maybe about ten years ago. Um, the church was growing and thriving. People were coming to Jesus. Um, we were um, adding new leaders, and, and it seemed like new ministries were emerging every other month. Mm-hmm. And um, there was just something that was operating in the background of everything we were doing that just seemed to either create a drag on um, our fruitfulness or um, something that just felt like it wasn't quite right, that that, that there was something working against our vision and mission. We were clear on what we were supposed to be doing, um, what the the call that God had on our church and why we're supposed to be doing it. But, but, But there was something that wasn't plainly obvious going on in the church that was hindering our efforts and couldn't pinpoint it, couldn't understand it. And um, I picked up this book by a mentor of mine, um, Cracking Your Church's Culture Code. Mm -hmm. And in the book, he talks about the idea um, that that culture is actually more important than vision. Culture trumps vision. And in fact, there's that famous quote that culture eats vision for lunch Um, culture is the way an organization functions it's not the work that you do it's the way you do it Um, it's the attitudes the beliefs the norms the habits the mindsets that exist in an organization and the most powerful leaders the most effective leaders actually spend more of their time shaping the culture shaping the way people think about the work that they do shaping the way they do it together shaping Mm -hmm. Um, how values get expressed in reality. And, and I just saw such a powerful transformation in the ministry of our church when we began to really dive deep into this idea of culture and understand our own culture and how we could influence that. And um, I just began telling churches what we'd experienced. And before I knew it, I'm, I'm being asked to present workshops on, hey, talk about your experience. You're a culture expert. Yeah. Like somebody put me on the ballot and I won, I guess. I don't know. But but I really enjoy this idea and it's great seeing the light bulbs come on, especially when, when when I talk about culture, one of the ideas I use to help people understand it is, you know, the idea of house smell, right? So um, your house has a smell to it. And you probably don't recognize it as well right. as visitors do. Right. Right? Um, so when people come to your house, and it could be the smell of the cookies you just baked, or it could be, you know, the gym shoes by the door, or the litter box needs to be changed. But the, there's some kind of smell in your house that you're maybe not aware of, that once you become aware of it, you can begin to get to the root of it and actually deal with it. And culture works in that, in that kind of way. Um, if you're not aware of it, it, it can really create a stench mm-hmm. in your organization that influences how you operate. And um, so I've, I've really enjoyed talking about it, learning more about it, and sharing more about it. That's, that's Yeah, so we when we train leaders, we talk about culture as the picture frame, right? The vision's mm-hmm. the picture. The picture frame sets it off. Right. Nobody puts a Walmart frame on the Mona Lisa. Right. right? Like it's, right. Exactly. There's, there's a difference there. So how do... Um, how do you coach leaders to shape culture intentionally versus letting it be shaped by 
whatever external factors, internal conflict, yeah, whatever those things are. Yeah, I, I think I think leaders one have to have an, a, a very clear sense of what their organizations exist to do, mm-hmm. and then like you, you're saying about that picture frame, they have to have a sense of what it needs to feel like and what the experience of doing that needs to be like. And then there are a couple of things that leaders must do. Um, One is that they must model it. Um, They have to actually live the culture that they want to create, right? Because people will rarely see, uh, they will rarely be what they don't see. Mm -hmm. Um, People um, are very good at um, emulating what's presented in front of them, you know? And so I coach leaders to um, think about the, what are the habits that you need to have um, as a leader that will shape the culture. So, you know, if, if, if you know that valuing time is going to be important to the work that you do, how can you create a habit that says, you know, I, I get to everything 15 minutes early, right? Um, now, that wouldn't be an organization I could work in, but, you know, <laughs> but... Um, but what are the things that you need to do in order to, to kind of say that this is how we operate here? Mm-hmm. Somebody, if, if culture is this is the way we do things here, then the leaders have to model that way and show that way and take ownership for that way. So that's one thing. I think another thing that I encourage leaders to do is to always um, pay attention to the ways you can know and understand what's actually happening in your culture. One way we recognize culture is through story, right? Um, what stories get told? Um, those things give way to culture. What What are the symbols and language um, that dominate in your organization? Um, um, what are the, the artifacts? Um, what things are significant? Whether those are um, pieces of furniture, um, whether those, you know, that might be your logo. Um, and, and in that way, you have to think about things like logo beyond them just being cool and attractive. Like what, like what do you actually want this thing to say about who you are and how you function? Um, those are powerful tools that if leaders are intentionally shaping their culture, they can know, here are the stories we want to tell. You know, here, are the, um, here are the symbols we want to use. Here's the language we want to have. Um, here are the behaviors and actions and achievements we want to celebrate. Um, here are the things that when we see them happening, we want to correct very quickly and say, no, we don't, we don't do that here. Right. Um, you need to know that that's, that's not how we function here. You know? um, because what you tolerate, you will perpetuate. Mm. And so that's in shaping really culture, it's, it's very important to recognize quickly what you will not tolerate and how you will confront that. And also celebrating those things uh, that you'd love to see more of. Yeah. Because, um, you know, what, what you honor, what you lift up as a value, what you say matters, will matter. Mm-hmm. And people yeah. will, will, will replicate those behaviors. So. Yeah, that's good. So I'm going to shift it a little bit then. How do, um, you know, Better Stories is really focused on helping yeah. people be intentional with life, being mm-hmm. serious about their joy, about their passion, about their heartbeat. Um, I'm thinking you're, you're a young dad, young mom. Mm-hmm. Talk about culture setting in your family, in your home, in your day-to-day life. Oh, yeah. What, is it, what does it look like to take some of these principles and yep. say, this, this is the better story, yep. right? Because yep. in my mind, better stories is really about changing the culture of your life, yep. right? Well, you know, what's interesting is as I was uh, processing, this is 
It's a great question. Because I was processing whether or not to take this role and to leave my church and not, not, not be a local church pastor anymore. Um, I had an honest conversation with my wife, and we sit down and we're, we're thinking about, first of all, we have a six-month-old baby. And so for the last six months, we've had this moment almost every day where we go, oh, my God, we have a kid. Like, this is real. We have a <laughs> That child. doesn't go away. You know, and thank you. That's encouraging. Um, and the, the longer you live into parenthood, the more it occurs to you that it's a lot more than just, like, putting clothes on the baby and making sure there's food there. Like, you're actually shaping a soul. Mm-hmm. So the conversation that we had was, because it hit me, if I'm not pastoring a church and if we're not at a church every week or a couple of days a week, how does our daughter know that we are passionately in love with Jesus? Mm -hmm. And how, how does she begin to see that and how does following Christ become part of the way she recognizes as normal yeah a normal way to live and so that was a that was in some ways encouraging and in some ways convicting mm-hmm. right yeah so now we're having a conversation about so so as sage grows what are the experiences we want her to have what are the stories we want her to hear yeah what are going to be the symbols in our home? What's going to be the language we use and not use? Yeah. Um, because if 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 I'm on the road and I'm I'm consulting with pastors and coaching pastors and coaching churches, and that's that's fine, that's great. Um, but if there's not a a, a Christ following culture that's evident in some kind of practical way, um, you know, how will how will Sage know? That's our daughter, Sage Olivia. How will she know that um, there's a better story that can be found in in having a deep personal relationship with Jesus? Wow! And so that's yeah, that's been the heavy conversation <laughs> in our house lately. And and but but the flip of that is, you know. I also never wanted her to feel like you know there are all these expectations that come with. Um, being a pastor, mm-hmm. right? And and I heard a preacher recently say, you know, I had no idea that people would hear you as pastor and then put you in a box, right? So uh, as leaders, we and our you know our spouses, we 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 kind of get that. We know we're signing up for the expectations of other people, right? Um, that often um, can put the pastor's kids in a box and I said I never wanted our children to feel like they had to you know be the quote unquote pastor's yeah, kids and yeah. live under that pressure um, so um, you know I, I I I'm excited about the idea that you know instead of growing up under all these expectations that we, we get the chance to just show her man there's joy in Jesus mm-hmm. and, and and we're not following him because we have to or because there's some kind of image we have to maintain right. it's just because right. we want to and it's because it's this is how God has changed our life and this is how the gospel is impacting us yeah. and we're excited to live this life yeah. so, so that's encouraging a huge critical principle there right I think that yeah. the better story life 
requires you writing some of your own stories yes. that aren't charted, yep. that aren't easy, that don't necessarily make sense according to models that you've seen everywhere else, right? And and have some intentionality. And it sounds like you guys are entering into that. It's risky. It's a little yeah. bit nerve wracking, but yeah. it's exciting too. Yeah, to open the door for you guys to do something new. It is. It is exciting to to know that God is giving us a chance to you know define our story in a new and a fresh way yeah that's cool yeah that you know I, I, I not only that but we get to create a way of life and a way of experiencing that that could be new and fresh for our daughter yeah that part of what God invites us into you know I, I when I was a kid most of the conversation about being a, a Christ follower was do you want to go to hell yeah. <laughs> or, or do you want to go to heaven? Yep. You know, and, and now the way I think I understand it is, do you want a better story? Right. And, you know, because I am the author and the finisher of your faith. Mm-hmm. So I, I know how to write a better story than you do. Yeah. And if you trust me to say yes to this assignment, even though you, you love this church, you love these people, you love your setting. Um, if you trust me to say yes, I can open up possibilities to you. Right that could be more meaningful and significant for you than you could ever know. So yeah. it's it's an opportunity for my daughter to see different cultures. Yeah. Yeah. Different expressions of the gospel to yeah. travel with us and and to know Jesus in a more authentic way and Absolutely. less structural. So to I'm, end up in West yeah. Virginia to Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it, man. You know? So so what would you say to someone who's listening to this, maybe not engaged in church work, mm-hmm. vocational ministry, whatever? But they're saying, man, I listen to these podcasts. I hear people that have made intentional decisions, purposeful, trying to do things that are better than what I've put up with for a long mm-hmm. time. Um, that could be legacies that they've been handed. It could be frustration, boredom, complacency. And they're saying, I just don't know how to get there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the forget the end goal. I don't even know what the next step is. Mm-hmm. How, how would you encourage somebody? Man, I don't know if this is going to encourage everybody who hears it, but this is the this this you know how you have you get asked a question and the answer comes to your heart in a really strong way. Mm-hmm. Um, pray for a risk. Mm. Pray that something would open up to you that scares you a little bit. Yeah. Um, because sometimes the the way into a better story is to say yes to a risk. Wow. Um, and, and, and all the great movies that we know, all the great books, uh-huh. involve characters that we fall deeply in love with yeah. that get thrown a plot twist that comes out of nowhere, and the rest of the story is how they resolve the plot twist. Yeah. And almost always that plot twist involves some kind of risk or right. sacrifice or huge change. Um, you just don't get really good stories without that. That's powerful. And so I, I guess I would say... Pray for the right risk. I mean, the right risk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's got to be the... Yeah. Uh, pray. <laughs> you know, obviously that means using some wisdom and, and talking to people who know you well, but that th- 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 that better story may be found in you embracing something that scares you. It's mm. good. Yeah. It's really good. So, um, last kind of big question. Yes. Uh, what does that look like for you right now? What's, what's the thing you're most excited about, maybe mm-hmm. most scared of, 
besides raising a daughter, I understand that's that. the scariest thing right now. I'm not lying. That's to you. Just, that's just, we've destined ourselves that's to that's a horror movie with it. You know. Um, so what's the most exciting thing for me right now? As I think, um, being in a role that allows me to see what God is doing in a lot of different settings and contexts. Um, that's really exciting to me. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in a role where I'll be doing a lot of teaching, but I'm far more excited about what I'll be learning than what I'll be teaching. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I serve primarily one context in a predominantly African-American. Actually, I say dominantly because, you know, you say predominantly when you got maybe, you know, one or two. We, we just, we're a dominantly black church in a, in a predominantly black community. And it's been great. It's been fantastic. That's my lived experience. But the, the opportunity to see what God is doing in rural communities and in, in suburban areas and um, in other inner city communities that are not like mine, where the yeah. context is still different. Yeah. Yeah. And to just see how the same God mm. works in powerful ways, all of those places, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the thing that, the, 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 the scary thing that I'm embracing is the, the task of um, helping those churches to not only see what God is doing, but to lean into the risks that they have to take mm-hmm. to meet him there. Um, it, really, revitalization is all about change, and, and yeah. everybody loves change until they have to do it. Right. You know, and so um, uh, to to you know uh, to to embrace a role that is all about helping people to fall in love with change. That's going to be interesting and new and different. You, but. You're like the yoga instructor. You're asking them to stretch a little That's farther. Right. That's right. It's going to you know, hurt. Bend this way. It's better you know. for you, but it's going to hurt. But when, when you actually see what you can do, when yeah. you lean into it, you yeah. know, it, it, hopefully you'll you'll appreciate that, that painful process. So. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So we end every episode with five uh, rapid fire questions Okay. that uh, I'm going to throw out there and yes. you get to just kind of fire off your, yes. your best answers. So, okay. 38 years old means you got to be a child of the 80s like yes. I am. Yes. Um, what's the best 1980s film? The Goonies. Yes. Yes. But now we'll follow that best character from The Goonies. Do you have a favorite? Uh, I don't even remember his name, but it's the guy with the eye. The guy. I don't remember his name. I just remember as a kid, I loved that movie. The 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 sloth is that who you're talking yeah, about yeah yeah that the, was that was my favorite baby ruth guy yeah, yeah yes he comes in on the pirate yes that's <laughs> i love him because the whole movie you're like scared of him and then you find out and like he's, okay. he's a good guy <laughs> yes best movie ever are, are you into stranger things right now have you seen stranger things on netflix i see people talking about that i don't even know what that is okay so it's like a throwback to goonies et shut up you've you've got to watch it I'm hooked that's, already. That's the assignment. Okay. All right. Number two, um, I know you have years of experience in this setting. What's your very favorite thing about West Virginia? My very favorite thing about West Virginia has to be the Bowers family. Okay, the it Bowers. has to be the Bowers family. That's, a, they, that's they our have first me, endorsement on yes, their story. They have me extremely willing to return to West Virginia. Sean and his friend Daryl both call us their best friends that's right. in West Virginia. That's right. Parentheses, they're only friends. Only friends. That's right. Good only friends to have. That's right. Sean, how about um, six months into this journey? What's the either the biggest thing you've learned about being a dad or best daddy hack that you've learned? that you can share with people. Okay. Best dad hack is 
kids go to sleep when you drive. You know, that's the best dad hack. I pick my daughter up from daycare, and she hates being in the car seat until the car is moving. Yeah. I'm sorry. Somebody may have a more brilliant dad hack than that, but I just like <laughs> she survival will, skills. What that's, this, that's it all is. All she goes to sleep when the car is moving. So you know, sometimes just like let's try to run the block again. Just, yeah. You know. Yep. Um, but that's that's that sounds so bad. <laughs> that's a dad hack. It's, it's all good. Yep. It's all good. Yep. How about um, travel? I know you yep. prefer to drive instead of flying. I love driving. Okay. So what's uh, what's your habits of driving? Your best travel hack? Anything that you're like? Yeah. I, this has to happen for me when I travel. When I so I love to drive anywhere I can get to within ten hours. Okay. Because for me, that time in the car is a great time of just processing thoughts and spending time with God. If, if, if Usually, if I'm not in a contained space like that car on a road for hours, I'm too busy doing other stuff yeah. to, to really have that time to process. And, and so that, that's a really important time. It's just time in the car for me. Um, I also love traveling. And picking up points and using those points, like that—that's—that's that's a thing that'll bless your life. Like that's if a you Larry can, Sherman tip. Isn't that's it? a Larry Sherman <laughs> wisdom tip. He taught me that actually. Yep. Like everywhere you travel, sign up for whatever membership you can get. Collect the points. You will build the points, and yep. you will use the points. That's right. And God will get the glory. <laughs> yes, Amen. He will. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so, uh, last question: What's one thing yeah. people may not know about Sean Marshall that they ought to know? One thing that people might not know about Sean Marshall that they ought to know. That's a really great question. Um, I love writing. Hmm. I love to write. And in fact, um, one of my dreams is to one day write a novel. Wow. I know there there are actually um, nonfiction books that I have in process that will be printed in the coming year. Um, But... Um, I love writing fiction. I've loved it ever since I was I was five wow. years old, writing little comic books and drawing yeah. out the pictures. And so, you ought to know that because <laughs> one day you might just be you heard it going again. into a movie theater to watch the film that I wrote <laughs> do you, out. Do you have a favorite fiction writer? Um, I love Stephen King. Yes, I love Stephen King. I'm reading um, the Dark Tower series right now. Are you? It's so good. Yeah, I. When I was a kid, I read uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah, Agatha Christie, and I was I found out they're they're the doing movie the movie just came out today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's awesome. That's so, awesome. Yeah, Sean, thank you. Where can uh, where can people track along with you? Are you online? Yep, seanmarshall.net. S H A U N. The best way to spell Sean. S H A U N M A R S H A L L dot net. You can find uh, pretty much everything and there. We'll, we'll put this in the show notes as well and. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate your brotherhood and your friendship. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.